Okay, so tonight we're going to be learning about the mystical power of music, and hopefully I will weave some music, actual music, into it. I want to start with a story of the Alter Rebbe. Alter Rebbe was the first Chabad rabbi, and in the beginning of the Hasidic movement, as you probably know, uh, there was a lot of controversy about uh, Hasidic ideas, customs, etc. So one time, the the altar rabbi he was traveling around from village to village, city to city, spreading the teachings of Hasidut, and it was it was found out that he was coming to a town where there were virtually no Hasidim there. Uh, it was. Hasidut was not very popular, but the Alter Rebbe was coming. They decided that they want to test the Alter Rebbe. They want to see if Hasidim can do anything other than sing and dance. So they decided that they would prepare that week all their hardest questions in their learning. And that when he would come, they would give him the hardest questions and, and see what he could do with it. So the altar rabbi comes, and everyone gathers in the Beit Knesset, and everyone's looking very forward to tripping up the altar rabbi. But first they said, maybe, maybe you'll learn a Mishnah with us or something. Okay, so the altar rabbi opened up the Mishnah of Shabbos, and he began with the Mishnah discussing the subject of carrying on Shabbos in a place that there's no Erev. What can you carry? What can't you carry? Can you wear this? Can you wear that? And so this particular Mishnah was discussing, can you take an ox who has, who's wearing a collar and can you lead the ox by the collar in, from a public to a private domain? An ox in Hebrew is called the shore, and the collar is called a shear. So the Alter Rebbe reads this, and he translates it like this. The verse says, all owners of oxen can bring in the ox and, and lead out the ox by this collar. So he reads it like this. He says, all masters, instead of owners, all masters of song, transcend in song, and return in song. And the people went hysterical. They thought, he doesn't even know how to read the Mishnah. He thinks an ox is a song. Like, everyone was in hysterics. So the altar rabbi is sitting, and he begins a nigun. He begins singing. And everyone's talking and laughing and everything. And then they start, and they start to hear this song in the background. And the altar rabbi very calmly is singing this nigun. And slowly but surely... Everything quiets down, and before anyone knows it, 
everyone is mesmerized by this this song. And he continues to sing. And and exactly what the Alter Rebbe said, all masters of song transcend in song. So after 15, 20 minutes, half an hour, no one knows, the Alter Rebbe stops singing. And everyone like, like, like snapped too, like, whoa, where were we? And then he said, um, I understand you have some questions for me. And as each one tries to remember what the question was, they remembered the question, and they already had the answer. So this is a famous story about the about the power of a of a nigun, power of a song. And so tonight we're going to look at a little bit about song and, and Jewish history and what it does to the soul and the possibilities today to understand the mystical aspect of song. Because we're told that music is the quill of the soul. That's the expression. And I think everyone knows, whether from a religious point of view or from a secular point of view, the power of music. If anyone has been, I'll give two opposite examples, but they both work very well. If anyone's been at a, a big rock concert or music festival, and there's thousands, sometimes tens of thousands, sometimes hundreds of thousands of people there, and everyone is united through the medium of music. So anyone who's had that experience knows the power of music. Or, two examples, the Chagim are not that far behind us, but Rosh Hashanah Yom Kippur, when there's a special Nusach that we only hear really once a year, and everyone is there hopefully trying to do tshuva, introspection, looking deep within, looking to connect to God, by singing the Nusach of Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur, also know what a powerful experience it is. And the other example, which my wife and I were extremely privileged to have spent so many years with Rabbi Shlomo, so many Shabbases, but if you've been to a good Karlbach minion, where everyone is with lots of kavanahs singing and dancing and, and really getting into the prayers so also that's the, the, the power of music ok so I'll just play a little nigun and hopefully everyone will go where they need to go
to connect music for a moment to the holy temple we all know we're praying for the third temple and the famous story of Napoleon is that he was he was passing a a synagogue in Tishabov and he passes by he looks inside and everyone's sitting on the floor candles he asks, what, what's going on here? And they say, well, it's Tishaba. It's when the Jews mourn the destruction of the temple. Said, which, which temple? He said, the, the, the temple? So how long ago was it? 
Okay, well, the first one was 2,200 years ago. The second one was 1,700 years ago. He said the Jews are still mourning for the temples from 1,700 years ago. And they say, he said, any people who can keep a, a memory like that alive for 1,700 years, they will surely see the temple rebuilt. Whether this is a true story or not, but it's, it's, it's handed down that that's, that's what happened. The point is well taken, though. But when we ask, well, what was it so special about the temple? So one of the things that most people don't think about was the greatest orchestra and choir ever assembled in the planet Earth was in the temple. And the first temple had the presence of the Shekhinah. The second temple, they said, not so much. But obviously the, the experience, the temple experience, left such a deep impression on the Jewish people that we're still longing for the third temple. And one of, the, one of the reasons is there was music all the time in the temple. Every sacrifice that was brought, was, there was music. The Levites were assembled on the 15, what are called Shir HaMalot, 15 steps. These 15 steps correspond to the 15 Shir HaMalot that David the Melech wrote, and they were playing music. So if you can imagine the grandeur of the temple, but if you can imagine, you go into the temple, and like, let's say there was not much happening there. So maybe it wouldn't have been such a deep experience, but the music, that was one of the primary experiences. And we have song going all the way back to the Chumash, in the, in the five books of Moses, there are three songs. The song of crossing the sea, the song of the well, and then the song of Ha'azinu. So in the Chumash itself, there are three songs. And then, if you ever have a chance to look at the, the Targum Yonatan, the Aramaic translation of Shira Shirin, the song of songs, it's not just a translation, it's a it's an explanation and translation. On the first verse of, of Shira Shirin, so he explains that there are ten cardinal songs in history. And he goes, to, goes on to uh, name them, nine of which have been sung, and now we're waiting for the tenth song, which is called Shir Lashem Shir Chadash. Sing a, song, a new song for God. We're told that the Mashiach will teach us the song. So it's interesting to note that that song is accompanying us throughout history. And intrinsic or symbolic of the Messianic era, the final song will be revealed. Now it's very significant that there are ten archetypal songs because this connects to a number of other tens that are very, very important in our tradition, especially the mystic tradition. It says in Pirkei Avot that God created the world through ten mamarot, through ten sayings or expressions. And this is referring to the seven days of creation where it says, and God said, let there be something, and there was. 
So actually there are nine of them. And the sages tell us that the first verse of the Torah, Bereshit Baralo came at the Shemaim at the earth. In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth is the tenth. So we see here that God creates through speech. Now if you take the first word of the Torah, Bereshit, and you switch around its letters, what comes out, actually many things come out. Many wondrous insights into the creation of the world. But for our purposes, the letters of Bereshit spell Shirat Ab, the song of the Father. Or, as you may know, sometimes the word Av or Avot means primary or cardinal. Like the 39 Malachas on Shabbos are called Av Malachot, cardinal works. So the first word, Bereshit, spells out the song of the Father, Avinu Shemai. Beautiful hint that it's not just that God created the world through speech, but it's alluded to that he created the world through song. Beautiful illusion. Also, if you take the same letters, you could read it instead of Shirat Av, you could read it Shirat Aleph Bet, the song of the Aleph Bet. And if we say that God created the world through speech, so Hebrew was the language of the speech. So it's the song of the Hebrew letters, or as my wife does, with groups of women, is Vata Otiyot, the dance of the Hebrew letters. So these are two beautiful allusions to the idea of song from the beginning of creation. And there's a famous midrash of David Melech. David Melech was called the sweet singer of Israel. And the, the Gemara says that David Melech never slept a whole night. He would take cap naps here and there, fall asleep in his rocking chair every once in a while. And in the beginning of the night, he would sleep a little bit. But it says that at midnight, a north wind would blow through his harp, which he hung above his bed. The north wind would come and begin to make the strings vibrate. And he would wake up. And the whole rest of the night, David Amalek would be awake, composing the songs, singing, studying, meditating, praying. So we're told, what is this north wind? The word for wind in Hebrew is ruach. And what's in Hebrew what's called divine inspiration is called ruach hakodesh, holy wind, holy spirit. And what does north represent? You'll remember from the Pesach Haggadah, when it's time for the, the kids to find the Afikoman, it's called Safun, from the word hidden. So it's Safun and Safon, the word for north, is the same thing. So if we retranslate the story in, in the Talmud, what it's saying is that at midnight, a, a divine spirit of inspiration would arouse the soul of David and Melech. And in that, in that state of consciousness, he wrote the Psalms. And what's important to understand is that David and Melech, when he wrote the Psalms, he wrote them in song. Unfortunately, we've gotten used to reciting them as very non-musical. 
But he wrote them the songs. He sang the songs. And if you remember the story, there are two stories of David the Melech and Shaul. One is when Shaul, King Saul, had an agitated spirit, so he would he would call for David to come, and he would play on his harp, and he would he, that that was like the only thing that could calm him down. So nowadays there's all kinds of therapy. There's art therapy, and there's dance therapy, and there's primal scream therapy, but. The, the, the therapy of music is something we all experience almost on a daily level because it's, it's almost rare for someone not to put on the radio a tape a CD almost on a daily level and music has this healing quality and the other story is that when Shaul when he was young in those days there were what, what were called bands of prophets groups of prophets that used to go around and they used to play music that was the means through which they achieved prophecy and the story in, in Sefer Shmuel is that, that Shaul at one point became attached to one of these bands of prophets and through the music, Shaul also began to prophesy. And it says in the book of Shmuel that after that, they used to ask, is Shaul among the prophets now? So, here, here, a very important point here is, it says in the Gemara of Megillah that there were 48 male prophets and seven female prophetesses. And one of the sages questioned this and said, only 48? Only seven? There's, there's a tradition that there were, for every male between 20 and 60 who came out of Mitzrayim, 600,000, that there were two prophets. So it says in the Gemara that there, was a, there were a million 200,000 prophets in Jewish history. So the Gemara answers, these 48 their prophecy was of an eternal uh, essence. Whereas the others, they were also prophets. But it was more of a, a personal type of prophecy. So here we're talking about prophecy being a state of mind, a state of conscience, not necessarily telling the future what the future would be. It was more that prophecy was a a very high level of consciousness. And there were a million two hundred thousand prophets. And we're told that one, it's not the only way, but that one of the ways of achieving a prophetic state was through music. And this connects to another vehicle for achieving prophecy, which is meditation. Now, usually if you say meditation, the first image is of sitting quietly, alone, and, and meditating with one's eyes closed. And this certainly is one of the ways of meditating. But here, we want to understand that in Jewish tradition, many times music and meditation go together. Because in Jewish meditation, it's, one doesn't necessarily have to 
meditate in solitaire for, for an hour at a time. When we say Shema Yisrael, and if we take five seconds before the Shema to have Kavana, deep Kavana for what we're about to say, that is Jewish meditation. Jewish meditation can happen in one second. Or it can also take hours. But one of the types of meditation is really through music. And in, in the last 250 years, so it was certainly the Hasidic masters, the Hasidic rabbis, who reintroduced the importance of, of music in our service of God. And in coming to know ourselves and in coming to know to know God. And therefore, the Baal Shem Tov and the whole Hasidic movement after that began to, to reintroduce the idea of music and singing and davening. Because now we're, we're making lots of connections. Because prayer is also a type of meditation. If one gets deeply into the prayers so it becomes a meditation so now we have three points we have prayer meditation and music now if you put them all together then that's a powerful powerful recipe for spiritual and mystical experience prayer meditation and music 